Welcome back to another episode of the Recruitment Mentors Podcast. I'm your host, Hisham Aziz, and on this week's episode, it's taken from our live podcast event in Bristol the other week. So what you're about to hear is the live discussion from the very first event that we held in Bristol. We have a fantastic panel in Nigel Romana from Opus, Alicia Teagle from SR2, and Guy Walker from Talentia Group. And we discuss the key insights and challenges from this year. And we also look ahead and find out what are their companies doubling down on to ensure they have the best chance of having a successful 2024. There's also plenty of live Q&A from the audience. This was a great conversation full of insights, value, but also it was also, it was a lot of fun. So enjoy it and hopefully we'll see you at the next live podcast event as we're going to be doing a number of them next year. Enjoy. very famous right now, <laughs> by the way. Hello? Yeah. All good? Can you hear us, hear us at the back? Yeah, awesome. Um, thank you all for being here. Really excited to um, put on this event tonight, obviously first one in Bristol. So um, together with the panel, we're going to try and keep it as honest as possible. Um, as you just saw in the video there, we're going to talk about this year. We're going to talk about, you know, what do these guys have in mind going into next year? And then we've got about 20, 30 minutes of live Q&A as well. The way that we're going to be doing it is we're not going to run around with like a microphone. I think that'd be too chaotic. So we're going to use a tech tool, which probably means we're going to have a fucking problem with it. But <laughs> like we'll, you know, we'll go with it. A lot of you have submitted questions. so I've got those up my sleeve. So, you know, if you just play out with me, hopefully uh, it'll work and we can get some good questions answered. Um, so I guess before we start, let's just do some brief intros. Nigel, I want to come to you first, uh, if that's OK. Do you want to do a brief intro um, to those that may not know who you are and then Alicia will come to you next. Hello everyone, uh, great to be here. Uh, my name is Nigel Romana, I am the COO of Opus Talent Solutions. We are a tech and energy uh, business. We've been going for 15 years, started in Bristol um, and we've got uh, lots of offices around the world so I'm really looking forward to speaking at this Bristol event. Woo! Thanks mum. <laughs> Evening everyone, um, I'm Alicia Teagle, co-founder of SR2, Socially Responsible Recruitment, plus many other things that I'm sure we'll get into. Uh, Bristol HQ, big up Bristol. Uh, second London office opened in Jan 2021, and we've just opened our Austin office, so excited to dig into challenges, successes, the pain that we've all been through this year. Uh, I'm Guy Walker from Talentia Group, started just under six years ago, similar time to SL2 actually. Um, headquartered in Bristol and we operate in various different sectors under varied, various different brands. Awesome. Um, so where we're going to start this is, uh, as I said in that video, we thought the perfect place to start is just to have a bit of a sort of honest reflection with all of you. And we're going to find out from these three what have been some of the biggest challenges this year. Because um, some of them uh, that they share, maybe all of you have experienced this year as well. I think, you know, we wanted to, with this being the first event in Bristol, what I definitely experienced 
I've been calling it there's quite a lot of Bristol beef. These guys have hated that. <laughs> but um, I think like people being sort of dubious about 100 recruiters in the same room, how's that going to be? These guys want to be as honest as possible. They want to you know, hopefully give you as much value and insight as possible. So we thought we'd start this by sharing um, how these guys did last year compared to this year from a gross profit standpoint. Um, so just to define gross profit, um, that is the amount of money left after they pay contractors and the amount of permanent placement fees, just to be super clear. So for SR2, um, last year, 2022, their GP was 8 million. This year, it's 6. For Opus, it was 48 million. And this year, it's 38. And then Talentia Group, um, last year was 5.9. Um, and they're on track to do 8.5. Um, I think, obviously, worth mentioning, um, SR2 mainly tech, right? Obviously, different locations. Opus, tech, but then you also have a Renault's brand, which we'll talk about, because that's been a real growth area for you guys this year. And then Talentia Group, about 70 80% for guys' education, but then he has two other brands um, that do sales, marketing, digital, uh, sales, marketing, digital, finance, Renault, engineering, sustainability, and construction. So a bit more diverse over there. So... Um, where, where we'll start is, let's think about some of these challenges um, in terms of this year. So, Alicia, I'm going to come to you first, ah, if that's okay. Hi. So, I think what you shared with me was one of your biggest challenges this year was the team having a true 360 recruitment mindset. So, do you want to just share with us, like, what that means, how that sort of manifested? Just talk to us a bit about that, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, and I think... One thing that I wanted to say before coming to this room, like I, I think all of us agree, we're not, we haven't got this magic pill to say this is how to be successful. Like this year has been so hard, but we're just a tech recruitment company. We haven't diversified and we've really stuck in our lane in terms of what we're good at. Um, and I think that 360 mindset has been a huge challenge because of the last couple of years, it's been a gold mine for recruiters um, where if we strip it real back, there's probably 20% of the business that could actually pull jobs, um, and the rest of them were a delivery team getting paid 360 comps. Um, Decent. So that's, again, transparent. That That's what it was. And we've obviously lost a lot of people this year through various different reasons. A lot of them going traveling because of the offset of onset, offset of, of COVID um, and them having plans. And I think that really shone a light on people who weren't capable of pulling jobs on what recruitment was when I started 10 years ago. Like that was what recruitment really was, is picking up the phone, picking up the yellow pages, if that was still a thing. I mean, I used to have a, a folder. I know Jack posted about having the folder of CVs he used to write on. And it's just about yeah, what real sales is, but equally adapting to this new world, which is full of technology, full of different tools, being creative, doing indirect selling, and just people aren't capable to do that, which is absolutely fine. Um, so how, how did just on that, so how did that mindset show up? So like, what did that actually sound like? Was you speaking to people like, right, this week, this is your BD plan, and then every week you got to the end of the week and gone, Alicia, I'm so sorry, I didn't get around to doing BD, I was filling these jobs, like what? What did that actually look like? What kept coming up from the management standpoint that meant BD wasn't being done? Like, what did that actually look like? Just like pushbacks of people not wanting to do it. Right. Um, and yeah, our management team equally, we've got an amazing leadership team who were trying to coach people and look after people's mental health. And that was a big thing as well as part mm -hmm. of 
the world that we live in now and trying to look after them where they're put into situations that they're not comfortable to do. So, yeah, I think people just weren't set up to do it because they've had, again, it given to them on a gold or silver or bronze platter mm -hmm. for the last couple of years. Um, okay. And then did that, before, Nigel, I want to come to you next, but Guy and Nigel, did that show up in your environments? How do we feel about what Alicia went through or what they were saying at SRT? Yeah, if I, if I, go, um, yeah I completely agree with all of that. Um, we're, we've not traditionally been, as a business, we've not traditionally been a delivery-focused business. So um, most of our stuff somewhere in their locker have had the 360, 360 thing for them. And it's kind of like trying to undo that like a, it's like a sleeper cell that you've had to reignite and uh, remind them that they have been taught this and sort of re-engage re it so we we've we've definitely had that challenge um it's definitely more difficult particularly in tech to to find to find clients client control is more difficult so it's 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 a little bit more about trying to ignite some old training for them and trying to re-engage that uh, for us but yeah definitely agree um I guess, Nigel, let me come back to you then. One of the things that you shared with me, which I thought was quite interesting, was diversification of clients. So what you shared with me was you felt that uh, this year um, you've been heavily weighted, or typically you've been heavily weighted on the companies that you acquire have been like sort of SMEs. Um, so something will go on to next year, but like that sort of impacts you because the investment in these certain companies dried up, which meant they weren't hiring or they were turning off the taps more quickly. So you recognise that a lot of your client portfolio was in that SME space and you're thinking about how can we get some of these bigger clients that may not feel some of those things? Yeah, so it's, it's kind of like the, the flip side of the benefit we have of being predominantly a 360 business that I've just talked about. Um, that's great. But as a result of that, we had a, a big portion of our, I'm talking tech specifically here, are the SMEs. And the SMEs are great because you can... You can open the door with them, get in just at the time they've sealed Series A funding or whatever it is, and then you ride the coattails of them for, you know, they've got 50 developer vacancies, whatever it may be. Uh, I'm certainly not filling them, but um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, so I'm told. Um, and, um, and, and you can ride those coattails, and it's really, really good in the boom time. Mm -hmm. But so much of that SME tech market is reliant on market confidence and funding and so on. So when that dries up, you can find yourself a little bit more exposed, and I think we found that this year. So that's a that's a learn. Is that, you know when the when the market was going great last year, you know just ignored it. You didn't care where the deals were coming from. You're just doing doing placements, celebrating, posting it on LinkedIn, and like, like everyone does. Not me, but everyone else. Um, and um, but but the but you you don't really you don't really analyse what's going well, and you don't. You know, if I if I'd have sat there last year and gone, let's look at the diversification of our client portfolio, <laughs> everyone, everyone loved it. But we should have looked at the diversification. <laughs> so, uh, because because when that funding dries up in that sort of space, we were a little bit more exposed than we would have liked to have been. So, bit of a lesson learned. I don't know if we could have done anything about it, but I think yeah, no, that's good I think that's uh, that's something that we spotted this uh, this year. Um, um, so, so, guy, let me come to you on this. I've, I think Alicia, you might share this with me, but I feel like guy, we spoke about. You know, what does uh, the recruiter of today look like? What are the traits that we want to hire for these things? So I think something that you all shared, it might have been you actually, Nigel, not Alicia, sorry, but Guy, what do you think of this? They're, I think Nigel and Alicia both said that they found it hard managing people that 
entered the recruitment industry in 21, 22, maybe almost had like a bit of a full start because of you know the quick success that they're um, experiencing. And then this year it has been tough and like managing that. Like, how is that showing up for you guys? How have you and your leadership team, you know, helped people understand that, yeah, maybe you may not be um, as successful this year, but comparing yourself to last year, it probably isn't a wise or smart thing to do. I've adopted the phrase, it's the hardest way to make an easy living. Like, it's literally telling people it's a shit job. So, and, and people still keep coming through the door, so it can't be that bad. But from my perspective, I think we've always had that routine of business development. So you can come in and pick it up and get on with it. So when we're hiring people now, we're looking for people with personality, mm. a little bit of life experience. If you've had no jobs and you're coming in and you're 18, you're going to struggle trying to connect with people, trying to be on the phone and make money and, and try and get people to buy into you. Mm -hmm. So trying to solve what sort of people we're looking for and where they come from, you want them to have some life experience, you want them to care, and you want to be laser focused on what they want out of the job. Like my business is a vehicle for everyone to get what they want out of it. Like mm -hmm. I'll, I'll take a bit along the way, but largely they come in to get what they want. So people that can really articulate their goals, where they want to get to and have the life experience to contextualize that and go forward. And then willing to accept it's the hardest way to make an easy living. I'm going to, if you come into my business, you're going to hate me, right? Because you could have 10 odd jobs on and I'm going to tell you to pick up the phone and do some more business development. Mm -hmm. But guy, I've got 10 jobs. Yeah, all right, they'll be gone tomorrow. Get on the next ones, right? Mm -hmm. Pick up the phone, do another 100 dials, get some more jobs on, keep your stuff fresh and hot. That's old school mentality. And as much as that might have, uh, you might have had a softer landing in 2019, 2020. 2019 was a, sh a terrible landing, by the way. 2020, also shit. It was 2021 that was slightly better. So, so the people in your business that were with you in 21, 2022, 20, who are now struggling, have you helped them? Have you like helped them understand uh, luckily for my team, they're, they're not particularly struggling because we, we kept that solid two hours a day business development. Okay. So it wasn't a case of getting out your sword again and going back to battle. It was like, cool, you've done this every day. You know what to do. Now you've got to up it, up, up, up it a little bit. I've actually taken on a kind of key account management approach. So the most senior people in the business, which is slightly more 180 than maybe most would like, but they're still 360 consultants, will go out and, and build the relationship. And then they've got to build the, the relationships under. So we'll take it the relationship at a senior level. Mm -hmm. And then the consultants kind of have to build their own micro relationships. But they've got the PSL, they're on the suppliers list. And they're making sure that our consultants can still add value. So they can still talk about the industry, they can still put passion into their words, and that they still have a personality. But they've practiced it every day for the last so what, year. So what you're saying is you, you, you feel like you guys did, didn't get complacent with this development, which a lot of people did. As much as they hate me, yeah. You've got to have 10 jobs on, go get 10 more. All right, <laughs> okay. So you just really drilled that. It's, which is okay. never, never stopped. Fair. Nigel, I feel like you should, was it you that shared that with me, I feel like, in terms of like managing people that... Sounds like something I'd probably... <laughs> <laughs> so like, how, how has that showed up for you guys? Because obviously, you know, you've seen a lot of different markets, the peaks and Yeah, the I, th I think, I think, listen, yeah, it's, it's definitely shown up. I think I've got, I've got quite a, I'm going to go on a ramble now, but I, I've got quite a take on this, which is I, I think we're really privileged in recruitment. I think, I think we've got an absolute privilege of a job, okay, because you don't need qualifications. You don't need to have gone to university. You don't need, you don't have to pass exams. And in front of you, you've got a career where you can earn extremely good money. You can rocket your career progression. If you want to start your own business, you can do so without much capital, without much barrier to entry. So I think, I think when you're in a leadership position, it's important to try and give that context for people who are having a tough time. 
Now, obviously, if they've got difficult, you know, circumstances where struggling to pay bills, it's not going to help them to tell them get over it. But, <laughs> but, but I do think it's important that you that you you give them the context that they've got. You, it, I I just think I I every day I think I'm really lucky to be in recruitment. Mm. So everyone stumbles into it, right? No one goes, I'm going to grow up and be a recruitment consultant. Um, and I'm really, really lucky. So when it is, do you know what? When it is a tougher time, when it is you haven't hit your quarterly, you haven't hit your monthly, you, you blanked or whatever, whatever that scenario is for you, I think it's important as a, if you're leading a business to try and make sure it's okay for people. Do, do you sort of mean? Make sure, make sure that, that you remind, yeah, go, go and tell a frontline nurse how difficult you're having it because, because you didn't hit your commission. You, 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 yeah, you get pretty humbled quite quickly, wouldn't you? So, yeah. I mean, I think it's important to make sure it's okay for people. People who did come into that, 21, 22 sort of environment, it's still real for them, right? They're still hitting things, so you've still got to be real to them, but also a bit of arm around the shoulder. It's it's not going to be like this forever. Um, there's some markets that are absolutely flying. If you're in tech, it's a tough year, but in, in the grand scheme of things, it'll be all right. You'll be forgetting about it in a year's time. Okay, nice. And run. <laughs> so, Alicia, let me come to you on this. More of like a lesson that you guys took at SR2 this year, which was um, you shared with me how you really uh, felt like you did a good job of investing in your contractor care and the back office infrastructure. Do you want to just tell us a bit about that? Because uh, you felt you were quite passionate in telling me about that in terms of the amount of money that they saved you, you reduced the time it took you guys to get paid, et cetera. So do you want to tell us a bit about why that was a bit of a lesson for you guys this year? Yeah, and I think, Chris doesn't mind me saying, but we we set ourselves a business at the target this year of 11 million and we're probably going to hit six. Um, and we set up the business and definitely the back office to be an 11 million pound business, mm. which we're not going to be this year. So we did invest really heavily into our ops team. And I think a lot of people forget about back office um, and just such a huge part that it plays in terms of invoicing and contractor care. Like our contractors are... Get they, their customer service is exceptional. And in terms of the money that we've saved with our contractor invoices and um, all the interest that we're not paying in terms of our um, financing, it's, it's massive. But we definitely did invest really heavily into that, thinking that we'd be 11 million pound business and we're not. So we're just tweaking it to make sure that they're adding value in the back office for people that aren't bringing in actual money. Um, but I think it's something that's forgotten about massively. But equally, we're at a business now where we're, You're ready I to... think we're like 70 heads, I forget. We're either 65, 70, um, that we've obviously, we're at that time to have a back office, whereas some of the micro businesses are doing it themselves, but it's something massively to, think about and to invest in um, quite early doors because customers do speak about it and it does make you stand out from the crowd more than I think that you think about. So just quick one then, just quickly. Um, so intended, obviously, the, the plan forecast was to be 11. So, yeah, I think, you know, when I interview a lot of uh, business owners, sometimes they wait until, like, things break to then fix it rather than what you're saying is let's get the systems in place so we can grow into being an 11 million business. So when when did that investment start out of interest? Was it 12 months before you hoped to be 11? Was it 18 months? Was it 24 months? Because that might be helpful for people. Yeah, I think it was probably the start of 2021. So I don't what. So maybe like 18 yeah, months or so. Yeah, 18 out. months or so okay, cool. ago now um, is when we really invested in 
invested in it and, and got serious about everything. And also we were expanding in terms yeah. of EU and, and US. And so we needed to be Ready a real it. sort of professional business in terms of that back office, in terms of moving banks to move into a global bank rather than NatWest that's just the UK, for example. So it's little things like that. That, that you don't yeah, think about. We, we didn't do any of that. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> no, 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 but I endorse it because I think um, we've always been a sales force, sales first business What's and what? it's Salesforce. We don't do any Salesforce. Um, <laughs> should do more. Um, we've always been a sales first business and we've always invested in the sales primarily and, you know, the back office is gradually caught up. Uh, I think in 22, we completely overstretched it. Um, and as a result of that, we, we, we nearly got into a real panic mode of, you know, we've got, we've got, you know, loads of money owed to us that we can't collect and all that sort of thing. So, um, do what Alicia said, not so what we did. We should yeah. invested in that earlier. Yeah, I think we should have. I think we stretched it too far. We should have looked at it maybe end of twenty one. Right. Instead, twenty two, we were we were there, you know, just sticking in loads of deals, which is great, um, until your systems your functions behind it can catch up. So yeah. we learned that the tough way this year. Can I chip in for the startups? Yeah. Get it, start with the end in mind. Like mm. if you are setting out to build a business that's 10, 20, 50, 60 people, don't, don't like bodge it. Don't pick a, a, a CRM that won't support you. Don't pick a factory that's gonna do a crap job. Like check your references, check who've, who've worked with good people. Because I've spent probably the better part of the last six years hating a factoring company or hating a CRM or finding a way to bodge something together that didn't work together. So if anyone's like on that precipice or starting out at early doors, three of you or whatever, pick your stuff right. Use the stuff. Maybe it's more expensive to get the stuff that everyone else is using at the top, but invest heavily at the beginning if you can afford to, because changing stuff later down the line, like from Itris to Bullhorn, is, is, a, is a nightmare. Don't do it. It's shit. <laughs> All right, so do, just on that, this was actually, um, all feel free to go, I'll come to you first, but this was actually a question from Chris. I think it's a good time to ask it. So his question was, scaling the operational parts of the business, in what order to build those out and when to do them? So he broke it down, HR, TA, L&D, finance, marketing. So if you're with, you know, with that frame that you just said, Guy, I want to be you know, 20 person, 30 person company. When should I think about HR? When should I think about TA? At what stages do you think? Finance first. Okay, finance first. Get your, get your money in, then look at human resources, mm -hmm. then look at business operations. And I think finally look at talent acquisition. I think a business operations is something that I, my old business ops guys here, like I didn't know anything about it, didn't have a clue. Hi Tom, didn't have a clue. And I was like, cool, this guy's a wizard. And he looked at business, he was a business analyst and systems and that was vital. But you think talent first, but as a recruiter, I know half the room, right? Mm -hmm. So you can go and recruit recruiters. That's, that's what you do, you're a recruiter. Get your finance right day one, like as soon as possible finance. Okay. Then you look at, yeah, uh, HR, then you look at systems, then go to internal. Any disagreements there or we just... Yeah, again, we didn't do any of that. Um, <laughs> we, um, uh, we were, like I said, a sales first business. So all the investment for the first 10 years was probably in sales and it always felt, so yeah, that's probably what you should do. But we, we, um, we focused a lot on, on sales. So our, we did have finance, finance I agree with. I think the only different take upon that, it depends on your model. We've always been quite a trainee dominant model. Yeah. Therefore, your L&D function gets a light shone on it a lot quicker if yeah. you're going to go down that model. If that's not your model, then L&D you can probably put to the back of the queue behind some other stuff. Um, so I can't, yeah, yeah, I can't. We, we were very sales dominant and everything else was playing catch up. And like I say, last year, we probably stretched that too far. Um, 
so yeah there's probably different um to do what guy does not no no i i, I stacked up my, my lnd person's here that we took at 20 heads which was before we got a finance person so i missed lnd off that list so quick uh quick one and then we'll move on to thinking about next year um i think alicia and nigel i both said to you if you was in the um audience tonight what question would you written uh, like what would you love us to talk about so Nigel, you said I'd be really interested to hear other people's perspective on like what industries were hot or like where people's opportunities. So for you, you said to me like renewables for you guys grew 20% this year. Yeah. So do you want to tell us a bit about that? Um, this might mean that people want to go into the renewables industry, but like let's just talk about it. Where where have you seen pockets of opportunity this year where there's been so, real growth? So the the story, uh, one of the big lessons that came out this year for us, I think people naturally talk about negative things when they talk about lessons. One of the big lessons that came out about us was um, making big bold decisions because five years ago we made the conscious decision to turn off the tap. We were doing loads of business in oil and gas. We had a hundred grand a week contract book, uh, a load of top billers, a good team in it, and we. Five years ago, we decided that didn't fit with our ethos. It didn't fit with our values to be making money out of oil and gas. Uh, so we completely pivoted it. Um, and that's tough. That, that's really big. When you've got a load of top billers, imagine just going around to them on one Monday and sort of saying, we're not going to do what you do anymore. Um, there was some collateral with it. But I think, yeah, as in, I don't think any of them are still here. <laughs> <laughs> this was supposed to be a positive lesson, wasn't it? Hang on, sorry. Okay, no, no, but joking aside, the, um, so I think the lesson was we made a big, bold decision then. And now as a result of that, this year, I think we're five years ahead in renewables. Lots of people looking to get into it. And there's still plenty to go around. Mm. But I felt we were really well positioned because of a, you know, a difficult, bold decision five years ago. Um, and yeah, we've got a presence in UK, which mostly does into Europe. Um, um, we've got a presence in Sydney doing it. And we've got a presence in the US doing it. And in different parts of the world, there's different types of renewables. Obviously, in the US, there's a lot more solar than there is in the UK, for example. Uh, wind, offshore wind is big in Europe uh, and Sydney is solar and solar and wind as well. So these these are really good markets to be in. Um, and I think, you know, for all the mistakes we've made, we've, we're we're reaping the benefits of a big, bold, tough managerial decision five years ago. Um, but it's a really good space. And there's like if anyone's thinking about going into it, there's still plenty to go around. You know, it's not. It, you, yeah, mate, you, you don't own the market, mate. No, no, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> if you could check with me first but before you, you go into it. Mate, you're all be... sales, mate. So I'm not, I mean, everyone's on the phone doing deals. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a really, it's a really big market. And if you look at the if you look at the sort of government pledges in every part of the world to spend on renewables, it's not going to disappear. Yeah. So, th but I think we're reaping the benefits of a tough decision five years ago to be in the market, and we've got a decent presence there. Mm -hmm. Nice. No, I appreciate you sharing that. Alicia, any pockets of tech that's been hot this year, or no? Um, again, like there's a lot of companies that have diversified and opened additional brands within the renewable space predominantly that we've seen. And again, as said earlier, we've very much stuck in our lane. Mm -hmm. We set up a brand that was completely different to anyone else. I know a lot of recruitment companies say they're different. And I think we've made our stamp that we are different in terms of social responsibility, becoming a B Corp, our profit donation, um, and all our USPs and our initiatives that we do. So we've really used those to win. Um, we're still, probably our contract books by 75% public sector. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we're still massively invested in in terms of actual real partnerships, bid work, um, using B Corp, 
helping companies improve their ESG scores um, is something that we're really passionate about. Um, and equally, on the other side, 75% of contract book in public sector is something to maybe have a bit of a squeaky bum about because if, yeah, that all gets shut off tomorrow. So we are yeah. equally working to diversify more so in, in the private sector as well. But there's no real market, I think, that's doing better than others, in, in my opinion, in tech. Um, specifically, everyone's a specialist. Um, I'm not, I'm a generalist, but um, I think just stick to what you're good at, don't panic, and we're just gonna continue to keep doing what we're doing and be number one. Okay, so let, let's look ahead then, guys. Um, thanks for sharing that. So let, let's, um, let's look ahead then before we do some um, live Q&A. So I think, Guy, let me come to you first on this. I think something that you shared with me, I think I'm pretty sure it's an Atomic Habits um, quote, which I feel like every recruiter's read if they do a book club. Which I mean, it's a banging book to be fair. But you said fall to the base of your systems. So what are your, you know, what are your systems? So for you, you're really thinking about next year's all about getting more out of less, really, um, yeah, investing in your systems. Tell us a bit about, you know, what you mean by that and what those systems look like and what you're thinking about. Uh, well, we're still startup culture, so our business systems are shit. Okay. So building, building from like where I am today, we've got some really deeply ingrained habits that are going to help us, right? But I, I'm. I said this earlier, it's an unpopular opinion. I, I, I still want people on the phone for three hours a day. Mm -hmm. So I want to do all the other smart stuff around it, right? So uh, you, you guys were talking about not hot markets or hot markets. Mm -hmm. Any market's hot if you add value. But what value does your market require at the time you, you offer it, right? And how many of these recruiters having a difficult time have gone straight to the bargain basement rates and said, actually, we'll do cheaper rather than hold the line or find a way to to reinvest in value. Mm -hmm. So across all of my businesses, we're reinvesting in marketing, we're reinvesting in how we can influence our customers and how we can invest back in our customers. The phrase is give a little, get a lot, right? So if I can train all of our recruiters to have better knowledge, to invest in the sectors that they represent and give back, brilliant. And, and, and on the systems piece, is making sure that everyone understands their position. It's a chessboard, a business is a chessboard as far as I can see. You've got people that play different roles, different responsibilities. And as long as everyone knows the systems that they are and the part of the business that they run, and they become bulletproof in that, and that system runs every time, time and time again, which anyone who works here for me knows that that's not how the business is today, but that's the investment that we're making, is that everything is mapped and everything works. And that's gonna take a while for sure. So what are we talking about here? Like, So if someone's gonna take a job we've got a talented way of doing it. Yeah. There's somewhere they can go find out how to do that, those types of things. Yeah, it, it's, it's partly training. It's partly like the commercial brain, right? So mm. how many of, of, of the business development recruiters that can't business develop know that when you can go and get a reference, that's a sales call. Who, who still does that, right? I mean, it's a 10-year-old trick if you work in construction. Give me some references. I've got some jobs. Mm -hmm. So like, who's still doing that commercial element? Who knows that the person that's just been pulled out of that job is a job for someone else to fill in another market? Who's backfilling? Mm -hmm. Like these commercial systems, as well as learning development systems, as well as the other training elements, there are so many systems, but everyone needs to know which ones work. Your habits are basically a business system. Mm -hmm. So creating the right habits in the recruiters that creates the, the right business. Okay. And then Alicia, for you, top of mind was um, building that BD culture, that BD mindset. So are you gonna make everyone get on the phone for three hours a day? What's your approach? How are you no. going to do it? No, because I think it's not one size fits all yeah. in recruitment. Every market's different. Every personality is different. Everyone sells differently. Put me three hours on the phone. I just won't do it because mm -hmm. that's not I'm an inbound sales. But again, I've built my brand for the last 10 years to be to yeah. be able to do that personally. So no, I think it's yeah, it's allowing people to 
do something that works for them um, and we're not going to suddenly 10 times multiply our KPIs. Like we, again, we don't have KPIs. We have, everyone has an annual target. We work backwards in terms of how people are going to hit that monthly, how they're going to hit it quarterly and how they're going to hit it annually and we help them to do that. So they have, co they have KPIs? Yeah, they definitely yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> in, in terms of their, yeah, they, 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 they have success metrics. They, they know what they need to do. Okay, we're going to do that. Yeah. Call it reverse engineering. Reverse engineering. <laughs> okay, we'll call it, we'll call it that, but no. It, but, but equally, I do think, look, phone wins and so many people that you speak to nowadays are like, oh my God, someone's called me. And you're like, yeah, of course. But there's so many different avenues to doing recruitment you do you think about any non-negotiables like sr2 bd culture what are some of the non-negotiables if any i'm just trying to work hard 100 mm -hmm. mm -hmm. stand out from the crowd like again using usps but equally there's a lot of like disingenuousness in our in our mark in our industry as a whole there's a lot of sorry to call you out there's a lot of white privileged men speaking about that Whoa. they care about diversity okay if you care about that like genuinely care about mm -hmm. it like you've got to do your research you can't just suddenly be like oh i'm gonna suddenly start a women in tech podcast when you don't really give a fuck mm -hmm. you just want to try and get money or try and get some clients on so you've got to be genuine in terms of the things that you're speaking about and i think that's one thing that we've got as consultants is people really care about not diversity at all and i'm not saying that Andy, sorry, just to pick you up, that Andy massively cares about increasing diversity in tech. He doesn't, but he massively cares about adding a huge amount of value to his clients mm -hmm. and being the best that he can be. So it's not saying, Andy, these are the KPIs that you need to do. I mean, he's a brilliant manager. He doesn't, he just makes everyone else happy um, and does an amazing job. But um, yeah, I think going back, it's, it's indirect selling mm -hmm. um, and just adding real genuine value into the market that's not just bashing the phone. Nigel, for you, because obviously you guys are sales machines, that's, we're not thinking about that. that. But for you, no, for you, you said to me, like, where you feel like you've missed a trick or, you know, across the team holistically, like, you're good at opening the door, getting the first two, three placements in, but then... Two or three, it's up for that. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, fair. So, why, you know, get that, fir get that first deal done onto the next client, whatever, but... We've got... Um, you're thinking about increasing the client spend. How yeah. can we increase the amount of deals placements we're doing with our clients? How are you thinking about that? Ex exactly that. We, um, we, we, as a business, we, we're better at the hunting than the farming, uh, mm. is, is the, the way of looking at it. And we've got a lot of people who, because we do the vertical market thing, they look into their vertical market, they open doors, but they don't necessarily look sideways. So a lot of our our new BD strategy, if you like, for next year will be about what can we get out of our clients that we've opened the door with and then just walked out the door. So how, how are you going about, how are you thinking about that at the moment? I think, I think we need to set up our people. Um, I think when you want to change, shift a mindset of a business and so on, you have to reflect it in everything, right down to the commissions, right down to the um, to the targets and so on. And because our business has always been set up for to be new business it's not necessarily there so you know it's great having an inherent 360 mindset that's really really good but when you miss opportunities so i think we need to look at how people are set up what their jobs are and how it's how it's sort of paid because at the moment it's mostly 360 pay and we we don't um we don't have a particularly great model for um for making poor making sure people are rewarded for passing stuff sideways and so on. I can be quite specific on this. This is a, this is an action that we tangibly took. So we've created a key account management role. So yeah. it's land and expand, right? So one person takes the relationship, which is business risk for startups and whatever. 
one person takes that relationship and then they it's their job to get the other eight specialists that can service that client introduced to the right people. So they sit, say, at HR level or they sit at uh, procurement level, whatever. They've, they've got the relationship with the client. They can control the information, but then they do the recommendations. So you need someone in this sector recommended. And then eventually you've mapped that entire client and it all sits in one single place. And you reward those key account managers for the job that they do. And so how are they, how are they incentivized on the amount of money that they spend? Or like, how's that? Show my age a little bit here. We, we, we still use like a whiteboard metric that's made up. It's a Fugazi. It's like whatever the average value is, whatever. But they're incentivized on new business deals. Right. So anything they've rewritten, not on what's existing. So they're incentivized right. so every on every new that. business deal they do yeah. with that client. They'll get a percentage of that. Okay. So th I think this would be a good time to ask this then, and then we'll bring in some Q&A um, in a sec. But um, uh, Tom asked this on this topic, which I think is interesting. So have you got, do you guys use any client retention incentives, for example, discounts for repeat business, donations to charity, et cetera? If so, what do they look like and how important has that been for you this year or maybe thinking about next year? Has any of that made it into your strategies on how can we incentivize doing more business with existing clients? I spent £10,000 on drills at the end of last year. It's not even a joke. The world drills. Drills. Yeah, yeah. Why would you do that? So quite a lot of our clients are construction and engineering educators. Yeah. So as part of a, a retention strategy, I, I literally ten thousand pound on the world drills. So I'm slightly <laughs> devastated by it. I got, I got a gift card and everything. Really? Um, but in in the sense of that, like it was what little thing can you do? A spread. I've got I've got 300, 390 odd clients in education. Yeah. So what can I spread that's reasonably affordable? Like I can't send them like a, a bottle of wine or anything. It doesn't help. Mm. So I sent uh, drills and toolkits for attendance. So I sent it out at the, early in the start of the year and said, at the end of your year, give this out to your, your students. Mm. And but there's loads of other bits and pieces that we did that was about value add, like free CPD events, mm. putting on uh, free subscriptions to stuff like that. Uh, some other exciting bits, it's actually just showing up to the client and then offering them anything you can offer them to say, thanks for working with us. Like, what is it you actually want? You don't want a bottle of wine that's like six quid or whatever. What is it that will say, thank you for giving us the business and asking them, and then they, they came out asking for cash quite a lot of the time, I'll be honest. <laughs> really? Which was a little bit sore at points. So, you, so you went and bought 10,000 pounds of drills? 10,000 10, 10 grand worth of drills. And about, I spent about another 15 grand on sponsoring their end of year rewards and stuff like that. Okay, um, nice. But okay, that, yeah, that, so that works. Like that. And you get the marketing, although none of my marketing team showed up. Thanks, guys. But um, we, we, you get the marketing. The stuff like that goes a long way. Found that. Okay, cool. Massively. And they remember it to the next year. Nigel, no, got any client incentives in place, mate? No, I've just got a few. <laughs> uh, no, we're, we're not. Uh, as I said, uh, as I said, I think we need to look at how we incentivise that. But we're okay, uh, we're that's. Alicia, what about you then? Because I've seen um, I've seen companies who like for every placement they do with the company, that company then technically donates X to like a charity, for example. Have you played around with this sort of stuff? Um, well, we give five percent of our profits to charity, and our clients obviously contribute towards that because okay, yeah, that's how it happens. And we send a newsletter every single quarter to every single client that we place with in terms of everything that we've achieved that month, whether it's winning rock interviews, whether it's how many trees we've planted, how much money's been donated, and actually tell them this is how much money you contributed to our charity of choice this year because you working with us and it's just a relationship thing right our, our clients work with us because we have amazing relationships they, we don't then give a discount if you do a second hire or a third hire we do our donations and and that's what we do but equally i do think there's a lot again in recruitment and i know there was a post once upon a time on linkedin actually not so long ago about inviting head of talents or or female leaders to like football days rugby days golf days like 
women in, in talent, female CTOs, female leaders don't want to do that. So it is thinking outside the box if you're going to go and reward them and, and do something different. Um, but yeah, no, we don't do anything in terms of that sort of incentive apart from our charity donation, take them out, have relationships, have fun and have like a real genuine value add that we can that we can do in terms of, yeah, women rock, technology volunteers, and all the fun stuff we do. And do a great job by the sounds of it, right? That's the point. And yeah, yeah. not too bad. So um, we're gonna come to Q&A in a sec then. So I'm gonna introduce this tech tool in a sec. Okay, so there might be some issues, but as we're about to do that, um, let's just end on Nigel prediction for next year. Like what, you know, if we're sitting down this time next year, what, talk to me about, you know, what you think the market would have experienced, like just give us anything that you're thinking about going into next year. Yeah, so um, I think uh, we've started to see in tech a little bit, you know, we've just come off the best, our best whiteboard month of the year and things like that. So there's little signs showing, but then it's been like that all year and then it's disappeared again. So, uh, um, <laughs> so it's one so, deals, mate. Yeah, so, so, it's, deals, so it's like, um, so I, I think that, listen, we've got two very different stories in our business. One is the tech side, one's the renewable side. There's no, there's no sign that renewables is going to stop. We can't hire people into it quick enough we can't fill our clients roles that's that's going to be fine and that will continue to fly i think the um what we're seeing in tech is the it's a bit like that it's been stop yeah. start all year um but there's just a few signs you know the metrics are pointing in the right direction we do do use kpis i love kpis um the jobs interviews and so on uh, are going in the right direction we haven't quite seen it converting as we'd like yet but there's certainly signs there so i think on the tech side, we it, look, tech hasn't disappeared, right? You're about to use some tech. Well, we're going to about to try and use some tech. It's everywhere. You can't do anything without some tech. So the 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 need for tech hasn't disappeared in the world. Just the confidence around the market and the investment in it might have might have slowed up for a little bit. So for us, it's all about keeping ourselves positioned well, so that when it goes again, we're we're ready to go again. I'm pretty sure we are. Nice. Anisha, what's top of mind going next year? I think contract's going to win. Okay. Um, in my opinion, from lots of conversations, I've just got the call to sort of, yeah, expand it in America. And and they say that one in 10 people at the moment are contracting in the US. And by 2027, one in five people are going to be contracting in the US. And the US is huge, honestly, just map it out. It's very shiny, very exciting. Um, but I think contract's going to win. Um, and again, similar to what Nigel said, but we're not going to diversify in terms of our brand just yet. We're going to stick to what we're really good at. and. This month, I mean, I think our best month this year was February, randomly. Um, and yeah, every single month we go, this is going to be the month. We're going to have a banger. We're going to have a banger again. And we're not there. Like, we're very steady every other month. Yeah. Um, but I do think from from what Nice said, again, similar, we're, the pipeline is is big for, for the rest of this year. And I think that everyone's going to be, hopefully, a lot happier going into 2024. But I do think that contract is going to be the winner of 2024. Bye. I can't really, because I'm not in tech, I can't really moan. I just have to go, yeah, it'll be all right. Um, <laughs> I think, so I hope it'll be all right for tech. But um, from my perspective, if you do the basics really well, you build really good relationships, you work really hard, then we're going to have a great year. For, mm. for me and my businesses, we're going to have a tremendous year. We're, we're tracking a, a record year and everything's going to be great. But I think that's because we've done the basics so well and we continue to do the basics well. And don't get cocky. Like really simple, it's, it's, the market will chop your legs out. The market will be a difficult place. If you, if you don't stay on your product, continue to enhance it, continue to offer value and, and give something back, you, you're gonna find difficult periods and it's gonna get more and more challenging. But as long as you continue the process of doing your best and offering the best value, you, you should be fine. Nice. 
So what we're going to do now then, uh, Matt, if you could, so basically the way this tool works is if you scan that QR code, you're going to be able to ask a question. The cool thing about it is it's entirely anonymous. Now I can moderate the question. That's so not cool. Any, so yeah, that's, but, got, that's got disaster. Yeah. So, but if uh, I can moderate the question, so if any I of can you see go what rogue, Omar's I will not be showing it. So if is any of you go properly. Omar's rogue. literally laughed the whole way through this. Every single thing that someone said, he's laughed. So if you, if any of you that want to ask a question, scan that. I've already got some questions that a lot of you submitted. Um, so if you scan that, but Matt, if you go on to the, the ne next slide, I've already got some um, questions up and then we can start going through some. So which one have we got here? This is the biggest challenge I'm going. Yeah, okay, cool. So let, let's start with this one. Nigel, I'm gonna come to you in this one. I know this is a big part of um, your model, right? So. Let me just read it out for you, yeah. So what do you see as the single biggest challenge when growing a recruitment business specifically with homegrown grads and what would uh, be your solution? Talk to us a bit about I was that. I was trying to read it and Alicia just went, grads. <laughs> <laughs> Got it, seriously. Um, so the biggest challenge, yeah, we've been a, um, look, graduates churn, okay? In a good, in a good, um, in a good market, we've had our churn below 30%, which is pretty good. In a not such good market, it goes to 50s and 60s. So. I think you have to accept that and you have to have a plan for how that looks. What I see sometimes is if, if, you're, if you're going to employ grads and if you're going to take people into the, who are new into the industry, you have to absolutely red carpet their experience for the first four, eight, 12, 16 weeks, whatever it may be. Mm. Uh, and I mean serious investment in L&D. And if you've, if you've had an experience where your grads aren't sticking um, or your trainees aren't sticking, then I'd, have you actually sat through your induction process? Uh, are you actually happy with how that is? Have you sat through it yourself? And is it is it the red carpet it needs to be? And are you absolutely sure what good looks like? What are you expecting from these people after two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks? Because I, I think the the generation coming into the workplace get a bad rep. Um, I, I, think it's, I think it's grossly unfair. I think most of them actually want to do really well. I think it's your job to show them and demonstrate to them and give them the journey of what they need to do well. So, so ju just on that, because I think it'd be helpful, what are the op Opus's expectations then? Like, I really like that mindset of... Um, Guys, aren't we, are you? No, I, th I think it's helpful <laughs> to, like, yeah, the red carpet experience, I love that. How can we make, you know, those first so, couple of so exceptions? What are, like, the expectations at those milestones, I, typically? I'm definitely not the right person to ask okay, the specific what, what metrics, think? but what I would say is that we've got... Um, we invest heavily and review it all the time. A uh, What training they do on what day, and then what they... Once they've learnt it, whether it be in the... Um, in the classroom, whether it be digitally, whether it be online, it's a mixture of all of them. Okay. There's real clear sort of, right, you're now gonna go on the sales floor and then the sales manager is really bought into what they need to do. They'll have a task to complete. They either complete it or they don't, regular sort of review points. So I couldn't tell you that the, um, because I didn't take my own advice and sit through it recently, um, but the, but it's really, really clear. And every sales manager knows, right, my trainee is on day three. That means they'll be learning this today. Oh I need to do this with them afterwards. Now, there's only certain aspects of the recruitment life cycle, so it can be in whatever order you pick. But I, I, we get asked this question quite a lot because we're quite a well-known, predominantly grab model. And I, I see so, so many people will sort of do a half-assed attempt of, L&D or they'll, 
they'll dip in and dip out or they'll they'll learn something in there with their l d function that they've invested in then they go out to the sales floor their sales rep manager tells them something completely different sort of thing so it's a real takes a village thing to get the training model right and then still be okay with maybe losing the odd one or two or three. Okay. Four. Yeah. All right. Cool. Right. Let, let's go through some of these because we've got to be out of here in like uh, 10 to 15 minutes. So um, I'm going to come on this one. So can you see that now? Yeah. Nice. So um, Alicia, talk to me. What is the most popular incentive benefit apart from commish that gets the most traction, positive press from your people? Volunteer days? Uh, unlimited holiday. Unlimited holiday. Uh, like some people take like crazy amounts and then we have to force the others. I'd probably say uh, people love Hika, which we... Wait, what was that, sorry? Hika. So we give like 30 quid a month or, or 50 for operations for them to buy whatever they want every single month, whether it's contributing towards, uh, I don't know, their gym membership or Hello Fresh boxes or Wait, buying what, a what's, he, what's Hika, sorry? So it's a platform for oh. people. Like it's and then like they a, can spend it on a bunch of things. They can spend it on oh, something okay, nice. that they actually want. And it gets used every single month. And I, I think a lot of things don't get used when it comes to sort of benefit packages. Yeah, yeah, fair. Um, but that's something that's used every single month for people. Okay, nice. And again, it's not forcing something down their throat. It's something that they can, they can choose themselves. So that's a big win. And people do love volunteering days at SRT. Guy? Personalised incentives. Personalised incentives. Ask them what they want. Like, Give us an example. Just, uh, Trainers. So I go with trainers. If they make a, I don't know, sometimes add 50 candidates into the system in their first week, we mm. incentivize them with a pair of shoes. But ask, oh. them, ask them what they want. Custom incentive, custom target. So you want to hit a particular thing. So say you want three days off, but you, want, you have to do it in a certain way. Set the parameters. There's obviously standardized. We have a standard commission structure, standard salaries, but mm. whatever people want. And, and benefits, like the good benefits, like paying for the gym membership and stuff, they kind of forget about them, but they're there. And then they're reminded, oh, oh yeah, shit, I need to use that. Mm. But they, they definitely like being addressed as an individual and then set and then tracked and then measured against it. But don't set an incentive and then forget to measure it. Like no, I do yeah, all the I like time. that. <laughs> no, have you all experimented with anything? Seen anything better than the, the 360 commish? <laughs> no, just 360. No, no, <laughs> no, no, we've, um, we've uh, actually, we, we, we haven't got a platform like Hika, 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 but we, we've always been quite good at those sort of bespoke, um, tailored right. you know what does this individual want based on your your sort of goals hit a milestone and do it so yeah i'd agree with guy on that we've uh, we've always implemented that okay nice um right let me just pick out uh one of these so guy question specifically for you my friend uh similar to you in bashing the phone um always driving business development i have been over for 10 years how do you bring your newer consultants from 2022 2023 into driving the new bd and aka picking up the phone Sometimes you just can't teach it. Just okay. accept some people won't have that confidence to, to speak to anyone about anything, right? So use your chatterboxes first, send them out to fight and they could get cold. But like put people out and, and train them and invest in them. One of the things that I'm working on at the minute is how you share information and how you, you warm them up to business development. I've got to go from here straight to Manchester to stand in front of 75 HR directors as part of our BD strategy, right? I've got to go out and, and kind of petrify myself. They're slightly less scary than you lot, but stand there and, and it's never something I've, I've not done it before it's new on the list so what can I do to get my team involved in that so face-to-face -face meeting I'll bring up eight members of my Manchester office they'll have to meet HR people in the flesh and be petrified so warm them up get them into conversations bring them into teams meetings when you're meetings with meeting with clients like show them that the client isn't as scary as you think they are that they actually want to spend money with you they want to work with you 
So give them industry knowledge, give them industry expertise, work with them and show them it's not as scary. And when they get rejected, build them back up again, send them back out to fight, but don't accept, oh, I've made 100 calls and no, one, no one's picked up. It's like, well, make another 100 or get the phone and pick up the next one, right? That, that was the tip in the first day. Call the next person. I promise you it'll be a good phone call. Okay. Um, I'm going to show you this one. Alicia, you shared a bit on this. Nigel, what does this look like for you guys? What impact has 2023 had on your retention? Poaching. <laughs> What's that? Sorry, nothing. Um, uh, Main reason for churn. Main reason for churn. Um, we, this is going to be, I'm not doing a good job of selling ourselves, am I? So, let me say. Uh, the downside of when we train people and we, we invest in them heavily is that we lose a lot of people who go up to start their own business. And, and that's been true this year. Um, and that is the well, how, how many do you reckon? Uh, I can think of across the group at least six or seven who've done that this year. Um, and is it like, does it get like easier each time or is it better every time? It hurts when you keep talking about it. <laughs> no, no, uh, no, it's um, no, it's 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 a sort of mixed thing because it, on some normally by this stage. Normally by this stage, they've done a good five or six years of you. They've been really good people. They've, they've, you know, they've, they've built loads of money. They've had a really good impact. So you're like, in, in a weird way, you're kind of proud that they feel, you know, whatever you've taught them has sent them off to, to feel confident enough to do it. But it's still, it still hurts. No one likes using, losing big, big personalities and big billers sort of thing. So yeah, that's, that's probably the, the one that we struggle with. And then Alicia, I think you, please feel free to correct me, but I think you said, obviously clearly very passionate about the amount of women in your business, the diversity in your business, and you've lost the most amount of women this year, right? Yeah, what, and most so of them what? traveling. Oh, is that? <laughs> yeah, most of them traveling. Um, I think, again, COVID, they had plans in COVID, COVID happened, mm. it's a tough year, and, and they decided to, to do that again. The, for some of them, red carpet is fully rolled out for them to come back. Um, some of them not, um, but yeah, traveling's definitely probably been the biggest thing. A couple of people have left and started their own business and yeah, not copying anything SR2 related, of course. Um, but yeah, the main, main thing and a couple of people left, joined another recruitment company, asked to come back, left on bad terms. Um, but yeah, traveling has been the biggest thing. Um, and then, like, just, just curious, like, is that now something that you actually, like, try and find out if people have plans to do that when you interview them? Um, I don't know. I don't, have, we, have we asked that question recently? <laughs> I just thought you might now. We are now. Yeah, we are now. We are now. We are now. To be fair, like, we've only just, we, we're, we're very much an experienced model yeah, yeah, exactly. in terms yeah, yeah, of yeah, that. Fair. So, um, yeah, it's like we've got a couple of juniors that are absolutely, like, one of them will blow your mind. They're unbelievable but they're not going traveling anytime soon. But yeah, it's definitely a concern. Um, Nick their passport. Have, yeah. yeah, you have to hand it, you have to hand it in. Um, but I don't, I don't interview anyone anymore. I don't know whether we do ask it, but I'm sure we do. Um, Nigel, I'm gonna come to you on this one. I feel like sh surely you've thought a lot about this. Top three things you would all individually look for in a trainee. What are opuses non-negotiables when it comes to... Um, some display of business acumen, um, as in, you know, whenever we interview them, can they piece together bits of information to try and get to something? Can they find, you know, have they got that sort of inquisitive nature that makes them ask the right questions to get to it? Because that would translate well into business. Mm -hmm. um, are they are they coachable and teachable? Um, are they receptive? Are they receptive to critique? Um, and we'll do that in interview. We'll challenge them. 
get them to defend their stance on something and so on because that that shows a sort of a bit of a bravery and some broad shoulders that means that when they're being trained on something they don't take it personally and then just the hard work thing uh, they've got to have displayed at some point in their life that they've got themselves out of a comfort zone so yeah those three Alicia I feel like that's not really I was just gonna say like our uh, three training, things obviously uh, that isn't really your model is it work hard be accountable if they're a good human and this okay. is this is probably really bad to say but I love a chav Oh wow! Like I, I love a chav recruiter. You love like, a chav. Yeah, like someone who comes in, he's just gonna like, I don't care, and just go for it. Um, wow! Like someone who's Did like. You tell him that. No, but like. You're hired on the like, basis of your chavness. I knew I was gonna get like, don't say that. But someone who's like, just like rough and ready around the edges, and just gonna absolutely just go for it. Yeah, I mean that, that is that's gonna be a bad clip. That is going to be a bad clip. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, so like someone who's just like a bit rough and ready around the edges, um, who's just going to go for it and like just haven't got any fear. Love that. Um, guy, over to you and then. Right I'm there. so basic on this one. Just, you just got. <laughs> what, yeah, what are your non-negotiables? You just got to work hard. This is a shit job, and if you just have to put it in, right? You have to put in the effort. And then I look for someone that gives a shit. If you actually give a shit, and we can see you care, that's so important to us because we all care so deeply that we want you to love it as much as we love it. And I love recruitment. I mean, I don't particularly love any particular industry, but I love recruitment. I love the industry that I'm in. Uh, and then you've got to be resilient because you're gonna get punched in the face hundred times a day because I've got you on the phone hundred times a day, and it will either be. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm going to hit you, just putting it out there for the HR bots, but... If you employ chavs, it will be... Yeah, it's going to get bad. Get your Burberry on. But, um, <coughs> nah, you've got, to, you've got to be resilient. This job is shit. Honestly, some days are so, so terrible and other days are amazing. And 51% and of my days are better than the 49% that are bad. So you've got to be hardworking and resilient. Um, right, so before, before we finish, um, thanks everyone for being good sports. I think, you know, these guys have been nothing short of honest, I think. So we appreciate it. So let's, let's give a hand to these guys for sure. Um, yeah, so, yeah, just, again, like a huge thanks to all of you uh, for coming. Hopefully you really enjoyed it. I look forward to getting feedback. Um, we have hired a couple of tables at a place called Steam, I think. Is that a place? Cool, right. There definitely isn't an open bar. We're not, you know, we're not doing that well. But um, if you want to uh, come there after, more than welcome. But um, thank you all for coming. Really enjoyed, you know, being uh, in Bristol. Uh, appreciate the support. And, yeah, just... I guess just large round of applause for these guys. Thank you. Thank you.